Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four and championship game. BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, host of the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. As always, a pleasure to be with you, and thank you for making us the number one sports law podcast in the world for three years running. So we have a very interesting episode for you today talking about sports franchises uh, and how they stand to benefit from controlling their media rights. And you may be thinking, you know, right off the bat that, you know, sports franchises already control their media rights. Uh, That is true, but often what they do is they license them to third parties so that they can be the production people and production businesses and to put those broadcasts out there. So, for example, the Dodgers, you know, were licensed to Spectrum, and now they have the, you know, Spectrum Sportsnet LA channel. Or you might have the Atlanta Braves, you know, back in the day, uh, licensing to TBS. Although at the time, TBS um, was uh, TBS and the Braves were owned by Ted Turner and Turner Sports, so that was sort of one and the same in that way. But again, separate from the franchise in that sense, that in that uh, TBS was not a part of. The Braves. It was a distribution partner of the Braves that happened to be owned by the same person. But there is a move to bringing it back to sort of a single focus uh, ownership. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, you know, in the past, it used to be that uh, there was a time when sports franchises would seek to sell their media rights, television, uh, radio, or streaming to third party businesses. Uh, that could leverage the on-the-field content. And uh, the exchange was fairly simple. You know, Team A would license their copyright of broadcasting um, uh, to the team um, to and its trademarks to a company for a fee, some specified period of time of five to 10 years or whatever it was, uh, and they would get certain distribution rights. And this would all be outlined in a contract. But a lot of this began to change when really a couple things happened. One was the sort of invention of streaming and the move to streaming, uh, which eventually led to cable subscriptions beginning to falter. And uh, with cable subscriptions came these sort of things called RSNs or regional sports networks. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in our podcast. And the point here is, is that regional sports networks once dominated professional sports. And that's just not the case today. Uh, as these professional sports 
um, and particularly through these RSNs, are losing eyeballs and money. Now, uh, as a result, we've sort of had sports franchises uh, to be- have begun to look inward towards, you know, for production partners and uh, for channels specific to their team. So this is precisely what happened with the Los Angeles Dodgers when they moved from Fox Sports West. And prior to that, they had games on KCAL and um, games would appear on Fox Sports uh, 11 on Saturdays. And there was a mix basically of Fox Sports and KCAL. That eventually led to the Dodgers selling, uh, I think it was uh, 25 years and $8 billion, $8.25 billion to Spectrum. Uh, and they created the Sportsnet LA channel. And uh, this was something done way before, you know, really RSNs began to falter. There may have been some dip in the market, but not as much as it is today. And of course, now teams are wondering, you know, what they're going to do as eyeballs and viewership continue to fall. And as a result of these sort of redu- reduced sort of viewership numbers and reduced money uh, for advertising dollars going into RSNs, you now have teams, uh, again, looking to either control their own rights or move into something, uh, you know, separate or some sort of streamer or a mixture of that. But then also Diamond, uh, which is owned by Sinclair, has, I think it's about 42 different uh, sports teams uh, through RSNs on 19, I think it's 19 different RSNs. So on an RSN, you might have you know, the Rockies, the Avalanche, and the Broncos on one network. That wouldn't be true because the Broncos are on a national network through the NFL. But you might have um, a better example would be, let's say, the Rockies, um, the Avalanche, and then um, an MLS team, right? You know, something like that. Or in LA, you might have, you know, let's say the Lakers, uh, the LA Kings, and the LA Galaxy on one network, you know, something like that. But of course, these things are all starting to change because these leagues are starting to see how successful the NFL has been with these national sort of rights. Um, and then, of course, uh, but again, it's it's easier for the NFL to do this because they're on a national model, meaning that they play basically one game a week on Sundays. And when they don't play just on the one game a week, it's usually one or two games on additional days. So there might be you know a Thursday night game and there might be a Monday night game. But otherwise, most teams play on uh, one day, and you're talking about um, you know 17 games uh, during the season. And so, um, as you sort of look at that, and you go, "Okay, that's a little bit easier to distribute, right?" And you can have a national television model for that. I think it's still possible for other sports like baseball, even though you have a large season, even for basketball, or even for um, you know, let's say um, you know, soccer. Uh, soccer has uh, less games than than hockey, basketball, or baseball, with baseball being the largest amount of games at 162. But the point being is, is that there is something to be said uh, about this sort of national television model. And so, of course, going back to the story, uh, you know, as Diamond has seen, um, you know, viewership numbers dip and RSNs not be as successful as uh, the owner Sinclair might want. Uh, they even um, looked at um, rebranding the stations as Bally Sports, which they've done. You might have seen that as you're watching some of these things. But ultimately, they've not been as successful as as the uh, as 
as Diamond would have wanted them. And of course, that means a reduction in fees. And now they're going to, uh, through Chapter 11 bankruptcy proceedings, which is um, a part of the tax code and law that sort of allows for companies to do a restructuring. And so essentially either Sinclair is going to sell off these assets or find some way to get rid of them um, altogether. And so you have teams like the Houston Rockets and Houston Astros uh, who are a part of an RSN that are looking to uh, control those rights again uh, and to look for some in-house sort of production or to work through Major League Baseball for the Astros uh, side of it or some sort of national sort of streaming partner. So that's sort of what's going on. Uh, but again, it's sort of, uh, there's this huge issue of sort of where to, where do these, these teams go, particularly as there's some concern around the viability of Diamond and some of these RSNs, right? Now, uh, Sinclair and Diamond have said that they're going to continue to distribute the games, even you know, regardless of their Chapter 11 uh, status. But I think teams are still worried about that. So, of course, this financial instability has sparked the interest of Major League Baseball. And the league office has stated publicly that they are in a position to take over the distribution of struggling RSNs if the teams wish to do so. And, of course, this is, again, different from the NFL because – in the NFL, the NFL controls the rights from a league and nationwide standpoint. So teams wouldn't, football teams would not be going out and brokering individual deals. Now, on one hand, the individual deal model is is can be financially viable, particularly for the teams and as a whole, because you might be able to get more money if you sell the rights individually for teams versus as a whole. But um, I think if RSN struggle, then the league's going to have to look for a different way to do this. And I think Major League Baseball could be very successful if they could get all the rights. That's going to be pretty difficult. But if they could and get sort of a national structure to this, I think they might be very successful in that. So we'll sort of see how that plays out. Um, but again, the league has stated that they're willing to take over the RSNs. And uh, in fact, the league has been preparing for this move um, to go more internal and towards a national distribution model for many years. And the first side of this was uh, when Major League Baseball uh, originally created BAM Tech, B-A-M Tech, um, and used that as a platform uh, to stream over-the-top content, you know, so uh, your typical sort of streaming technology. And then it became so popular that they ended up uh, creating it, uh, turning it into a subsidiary to license it to outside partners to pursue streaming opportunities. And eventually Disney was able to purchase and um, uh, a significant portion of BAM tech. And now they own, I think at least 75% of BAM tech. And of course this was all created under the guise of major league baseball advanced media or MLB AM. And uh, this has been around since 2000. Uh, whereas the uh, league initially sold um, a portion of BAM Tech to Disney in 2015, which is used on ESPN Plus and Hulu, uh, and possibly also on Disney Plus. So uh, again, this sort of this great technology has been created. Major League Baseball has ownership in it. They have experience in in it at least since uh, 2000 in terms of making a move towards it uh, in the creation of this technology. 
So I think that's where baseball is looking to go, and I think they'd be wise to do so, particularly if they want to keep up with the the NFL and move away from the RSN model. Um, now, I also believe that some RSNs could be successful, particularly if they move to a streaming model where it was more available either independently, where you could buy it as a standalone sort of platform or a channel, or it was available on a nationwide or sort of international streamer like Netflix or what have you, uh, or you know, an Apple Plus or something like that, or a Prime. Uh, but until that happens, you know, a lot of times these RSNs are hard to access unless you purchase the channel and it's usually some pretty exorbitant price, right? Whereas you look at Apple, for example, they were have we were able to have MLS rights for um a you know pretty decent price compared to the other leagues. Now, that being said, the NFL and the Major League Baseball and NBA rights to games are more expensive because they have more viewers than major league soccer currently. So uh, again, that's the balance, right? Is because you have to find these strat, these uh, streamers who are looking for content have to find a balance between paying for too much and, um, and sort of finding a way to get their content out there. Now, this is interesting because Disney, Disney owned ESPN is actually looking to, um, Unfortunately, lay off about 7,000 employees, which will reduce about $5.5 billion in cost. So it might be a good time for Major League Baseball and its franchises to look to internal distribution and team-owned networks, kind of like what the Dodgers have done. Although the, one of the big problems with the Dodgers has been that fans, local fans, have not been able to watch games. Uh, this period of time where at least 50% of fans in Los Angeles were not able to watch because they didn't have a certain television provider. I think some of those problems have been solved and it's probably like available to closer to 75% of people now. But again, uh, there's a lot of folks who are not watching the Dodger games because it's on an exclusive network. And that's that whole business principle that a lot of these companies have to you know sort of wrestle with is this idea that you know, you can have a situation where you can have wide distribution and make less money, or you can have sort of more exclusive distribution and make more money. So you lose customers, but you make more money. And this is something that businesses deal with uh, on an a on an everyday basis across industries. So, and again, and unless you're in that seat of, you know, of power or that position, it's pretty hard to, to make a judgment one way or the other. Right as to what's best, is it best to make money for the team, and and to reach a substantial amount of people, or is it better to um, make, let's in this case, let's say a lot less money, uh, but reach have potential to reach all people? I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, you know, again, I I think when you're trying to run a business, it's a little bit different, as opposed to like a public benefit, right? And that's what we have to remember especially in the sports world is that you know sports are not a public benefit per se they are uh, an entertainment business asset essentially so uh, now of course someone can make the argument that with tax dollars going to stadiums and what have you maybe uh, they are more of a public benefit but I think that's why there's been some pushback in Congress of late uh, to make it um, essentially illegal to have public dollars go to private stadiums we'll see how far that goes that's definitely been something that's been brought up. So again, uh, with ESPN looking to lay off employees and particularly towards the ESPN side, 
there's going to be some changes in this, in this. And again, ESPN being a, a major distributor, if you will, a major broad, uh, broadcast partner or, and production partner. So now I could conceivably see MLB selling hosted games to one platform like Apple or Prime or another. It might be a good place to start, as we've talked about, as, as these RSNs are kind of faltering. Um, you know, and, and or you know, maybe a work on purchase, uh, purchasing or rounding up additional rights as they become available, and then eventually you make some sort of a national, you know, launch. Uh, but to me, it's clear that Major League Baseball and the teams have the technology and the expertise now to be their own broadcasters. And of course, the possibilities here are endless. Uh, if the teams were to become their own broadcasters, one, they get to choose their own announcers, they get to hire their own talent. Uh, they get to hire new departments. It makes their their franchises more valuable. Is it more work to handle? Absolutely. But I think technology has changed a lot of how we handle business these days. Well, and for one, as sort of uh, as proof of this, the games are shorter now. Baseball games in particular are shorter now because of the rule changes. And we talked about that last week um, or might have been two weeks ago. And how, and it's making Major League Baseball more palatable to younger audiences and really to audiences in general. And second, teams need to take advantage of the podcast channels um, devoted exclusively to teams, much like radio or satellite stations have done. I just don't think this has been done enough. There is an unlimited amount of podcast space here, particularly in team-focused podcast. This is not something I think they've they've done a good job in promoting. There's a lot of podcasts that are about teams, but there's not a lot of teams that are having a team-focused podcast. So again, something to think about and to generate more content and add revenue and dollars and that sort of thing. And then, of course, there's even the possibility to have, um, I don't know, the technology, how they would pull this off because podcasts are usually recorded and not live. Uh, but if there was something to where you could have even the podcast stream uh, almost like like a radio broadcast, but through a podcast app. Uh, and that could possibly be recorded and then you could watch it at a later date or you could watch it live. I don't know if the technology is available for that, but it's an idea. And of course, with a lot of this AI-generated technology uh, that's that's um, been coming out of late uh, is sort of that could assist with not only broadcasting, but also analytics and production. And much like Apple Plus has done with their sort of... Um, technology-focused broadcast, which with Amazon Prime has done in their analytics. This is something that baseball could really dig into. And of course, if you look at the numbers, uh, there's clearly an interest in baseball globally, uh, as proven by the record-breaking attendance and viewership numbers for the 2023 World Baseball Classic. Uh, and of course, you have, in on the college side, um, you have conferences benefiting significantly, um, and, and even so much so that you have the University of Texas, University of Oklahoma, UCLA, and USC, leaving their home conferences for the Big Ten and SEC for more money and exposure. So clearly there's a model for this, right? And of course, the viewership numbers for March Madness were off the charts. I think they were the best that they've been in eight years. Uh, and it's sort of further proof of the ongoing success of sports in general on television. So uh, I think Major League Baseball need to make a move to keep up with the changing landscape and thrive in this sort of new digital age. And by the way, it's a landscape that includes further real estate development and tech, uh, television uh, production development, meaning that teams are looking more internally to grow their empires. 
looking towards, you know, establishing and owning the land around the stadium and using it for, you know, housing, using it for commercial development, using it for um, a sort whole sort of sort of a business uh, development. And then on the television side, you got teams that are becoming a lot more sophisticated in this and how to produce content. And I think now would be high time to crawl back some of those rights from RSNs as uh, they begin to falter and look for ways to distribute that stuff internally and or to put it on um, some sort of streaming platform. But uh, again, folks, uh, this has been a podcast for this week talking about sports franchises and how they stand to benefit from controlling media rights, particular uh, with a particular focus on RSNs and uh, the changing landscape there. So hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode. Again, I'm Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. This has been episode 11 of season five. As always, appreciate you listening in, making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. This show has been brought to you by Bet Online, and we will look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much.